this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read the second Parsha in the Book of Devarim, the Parsha of Va'et Hanan. And Va'et Hanan means I pleaded. It's the same word as as Tachanun, as as to 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 plead, to implore, to to pray, to sort of throw yourself before God um, in a gesture that is really ultimately asking for mercy. So it's a very strong word for Moshe to open the Parsha with. And what I wanted to do is just look at the very beginning when Moshe is telling the people what happened, why he pleaded with God, and consider like, what is what, why did Moshe put this in here? And what purpose is it serving? So Moshe opens the parsha with el Hashem I pleaded with the Lord at that time, saying, and then he praises God. He says, God, you let your servant see the first works of your greatness, right? You gate, you God, you let me see what you did right up close. And we know that Moshe had stronger access to God than everyone else did, right? I've seen what Moshe is saying, I've seen so much, God, of what you have done. You are more powerful than any other god in heaven or in earth, you are the ultimate. One could say that this is the kind of flattery that you're supposed to use before making a bakasha, before making a request. And then in the next pasuk, he says, what's his his request? Let me cross over and see the good land that's on the other side of the Jordan. Hahar Hatov that good hill country and the Lebanon. What's Moshe asking? Moshe is asking, let me go see the land of Israel, the land that you've been, the, the land, the entire life purpose of the past 40 plus years. I can't go into the land, okay, but I really want to. He's sort of pleading for that. I mean, he's not sort of, he is pleading for that that last plea to say, you said I can't go in, but please just let me go in. And that's, I think, why the word pleading is important, because he already knows he's not allowed to. But he's begging God, will you consider changing your mind? And that, I think, is sets the context for the next Pasuk. This is uh, Pasuk 26 in chapter 3. It's a strong Pasuk. Because what does Moshe say? Hashem bi Hashem What does Moshe say? But the Lord was wrathful with me. Why? On your account, because of you. And God would not listen to me. And not only would God not listen to me, but God said, enough. Never speak to me of this matter again. So this is a very strong pursuit. God, Moshe is saying, God got angry at me because of you guys. Therefore, and God wouldn't listen to me. And not only that, but God told me, never raise this again with me. That is a very strong message to be communicating to the people. But it doesn't end totally on a bad note because then... Moshe continues that God told him, all right, but here's what you can do. Go to the summit of Pisgah, right? And look around, look in all four directions. So at least you can't go into the land, but you asked to look at it. So yes, go to the top of this mountain and look at it. 
It doesn't have to remain only a fantasy, only an image in your mind. You can have some physical connection. In this case, at least knowing what it looks like from afar. And then God continues and give Yehoshua his instructions, right? Give him strength and courage because he's going to be the one who's going to go across. He's going to actually be the one who leads the people to the land that you can only see. So this is a, a message in which this is a scene, I guess, in which Moshe is really saying, I knew what my fate was, but I wasn't ready totally to accept it. And so I pleaded with God one more time, would God be willing to change God's mind and let me in? But God was angry because of me, because of you. And then said, no, never talk to me about it again. The matter is done. But if you want, you can go to the top of the mountain and look out. So the question is, what is the purpose of this scene? Why is Moshe telling this to the people? Ostensibly, it is a very private, personal matter. These are the types of things that, that people don't usually broadcast their innermost struggles with their impending mortality. Right, they, people. These are the types of things that are private conversations, usually, that are had at the end of one's life in an intimate pastoral setting. And so the question is, why is Moshe telling this to the people? Because what, as we talked about last time, so much of what he's saying to the nation is this, their story. He's trying to communicate to them things they need to know. And so why share this moment that he had in which he begged God, basically, to let him go into the land, and God said no? And I think that how we understand this really lies in that word lema'anchem in the 26th Pasuk, when Moshe says, right? God was wrathful with me, as the JPS says, on your account because of you. Why is Moshe saying to the people, not only God was angry at me, but God was angry at me because of you? What purpose? What was he trying to communicate to them? What purpose does this serve? Is this passive aggressive? Is it him just trying to say that, alleviate his own blame and say, well, it wasn't you know, my fault, it's that you made me do it? Like, what is he trying to accomplish? And so I brought four, actually, different rabbinic explanations that are going to take us on a journey from the, I think I would argue the most selfish interpretation. I don't mean selfish in a negative way necessarily, the way we think of that word, but the most selfish interpretation to the most selfless. So we'll begin with Rashi. Rashi says, what does that mean? Atem gramtem li. You caused this for me. Why? Because of the incident of May Mariva. And he quotes a pasuk from Tehillim. Um, that says, that they they sort of, they acted out with May Mariva and therefore uh, bad things happened to Moshe because of them. So connecting it back to the incident with the water, that I guess suggesting that the only reason this even happens is because B'nai Israel complains about not having water. It somehow, it blames the people for what Moshe did by striking the rock instead of talking to it. So this is, um, I think, it's a very interesting and strong interpretation. 
Because according to Rashi, what Moshe is saying to the people is, yeah, this whole situation with me not being able to see the fulfillment of my life's work, me not getting that one thing I want more than anything else, that's your fault. And not only is it your direct fault, it's your indirect fault too, because you caused the situation in the first place by fetching about not having water that led to me doing something I shouldn't have done, which led to me getting punished by not being able to enter the land. It's taking all of Moshe's own uh, incomplete parts of his life. It's taking all of his own blame and putting it upon the people. And therefore he's not accepting anything for himself. So if you're a member of B'nai Israel of the nation listening to this, you think, I, I would imagine you think a combination of guilt and, oi, we really messed things up for Moshe. And perhaps guilt to the point of a little bit of resentment of saying, well, Moshe, why don't you take some responsibility too? So I don't think anyone walks away from the scene with a good taste in their mouth if they're holding according to Rashi's interpretation. So let's now move next to the Bechor Shor. The Bechor Shor says something very interesting. And he says that basically Hashem says, enough, stop it. Don't talk to me about this again. Because if I let you do this, if I reverse my decision and I let you go into the land, Hashem says, in ken in sof, right? If that's the case, then this thing is never going to end. After you ask to get into the land, if I let you into the land, then you're going to ask to see the Beit HaMikdash. You're going to ask to see the temple, right? If I give in to you, it's sort of the, uh, the biblical version of if you give a mouse a cookie, right? If I give in to you now, you're just going to ask for two cookies later. You're just going to ask for something else later. This has to stop at a certain point. You can't get everything you want. And so I put this in the second position of the spectrum of the range from most selfish to least, because it's still Moshe centric, right? Saying Moshe can't get it because of, you know, Moshe's own reasons, but it's not sin centric, right? Um, it's, so it's still surrounding the narrative of Moshe as himself, but at least it's not blaming the people for having had a role in it. Next, we move to the Chizkuni. And he says, um, I also like, he makes the Chizkuni makes a very good point in thinking about how this would affect the people. And the Chizkuni imagines that God said to Moshe, if I let you enter the land, how's the rest of the nation going to think about all the entire generation that had to die in the Midbar and wasn't allowed to cross over? I mean, those people who died in the Midbar are the parents of the nation that is now listening to this, of the nation that's about to cross into the land, right? The parents, the grandparents, the friends, everything. So they're going to see that Moshe was part of that old generation. Moshe was supposed to die in the desert, just like all of their relatives. They all died in the desert. And now Moshe gets to Davin and Hashem's going to change Hashem's mind. That's a really, really bad precedent to set says, you know, the Chizkuni mentions that that's what God's saying. We can't do this. And also because if Moshe is allowed in, what are all the people going to think? Lo chash Moshe ela alatzmo. That Moshe didn't care about anyone but himself, right? That Moshe was happy, fine to let everyone else die in the desert. But when it came to his own fate, then he was willing to dive into Hashem to reverse his own decree. So the Chizkuni is arguing here that God says, 
Moshe, the social cohesion, the trust is really important. If I let you in after I decreed everyone else had to die and we waited for everyone else had to die, the, the trust in our community, the faith in the system is all going to crumble. That is a sign of a corrupted system. And that is not a way that we can enter the land. That's not a way we can be one people. And so it's really for the sake of the people and the health of the nation that Moshe can't go in. He still wants to. Um, and it's still that Hashem is angry at him because he asked, but at least that the reason he can't come in is now entirely selfless, meaning it's not about Moshe at all. It's all for the sake of the nation. Now I wanted to move to the final source that I brought today. It's a really, really beautiful interpretation. The Sforno says, why does Moshe say that God got angry at me on your behalf? He says, because, said Moshe, I was trying to argue with God or advance the cause with God that you should be able to stand and to stay in the land forever. That you will never be exiled from the land of Israel ever. But, says Moshe, according to the Sforno, Hashem had already decreed that you were your children, your your descendants were going to be expelled, where they were going to be exiled from the land. So God, you know, Hashem got angry at me because I because this wasn't something that Hashem could actually fulfill. Right? I was trying to make the impossible happen, but Hashem said no. And what is that impossible? That Moshe here, according to the Sforno, is engaged in an entirely selfless act. Moshe is trying to advocate, not for himself, this isn't about Moshe's own interests. The thing he's trying to advocate for is, please, let them stay in the land forever. I never want them to have to go through the pain of exile ever again. I've seen the trauma. I mean, I'm embellishing here, but I, we, you know, I think maybe this is where it's coming from. I've seen the trauma. I've seen the pain that having to leave your land causes. Even if they're leaving Egypt and going to the land, it's still, it, it, you know, he knows how, how damaged this people is and he doesn't want them to ever have to go through that pain again, through any kind of pain. Let this be the end of the story. Let them just get there and be able to settle forever. It's, it's sort of the way a parent wants to, has an instinct to protect their child from the cruelties and the harshness of the worlds around them, right? Please let nothing, let, let them not have to suffer. But of course, we know you can't actually do that, that people, you know, you can't protect people from that forever. And so that's what God is saying. Sorry, you know, that's not possible. That's not the way that their history is going to go. But I think that this is such a beautiful way of interpreting what Moshe, what Moshe is trying to convey in this pasuk, which is not, you guys sinned, you know, and this is all your fault. It's not, you know, saying even that Moshe, that it just, you know, God said no, because it, it will get out of hand and, you know, ain't of our sof. And it's not saying even that, no, it's for the sake that it's for the sake of the social fabric. It's saying that Moshe didn't even really put himself aside. He didn't even care about himself at all. And he just wanted to advocate to protect the people and protect their emotional state and their physical state. And that Hashem didn't allow him to. And that that growth was part of what was necessary for our beings as a people. And so 
I wanted to spend time on this today because I think that just this little exercise in Parshanut and exploring different commentaries shows how you can transform the meaning of one pasuk to either have it in one extreme of total selfishness, selfishness, or another extreme of total selflessness. And that this really impacts how we understand Moshe, Moshe's pleading with God, why Moshe's pleading with God, and what Moshe really wants. And I think that at the end of the day, if you have to say, well, which of these interpretations is most in accordance with Moshe's character, I would actually say, I think all of them are possible. Moshe at times is a little bit passive aggressive. He is a little bit harsh with the people. We talked about that last week, blaming them for the Maraglim, right? He, he doesn't, he's not afraid to go there. But he also at times really comes from that place of the very anxious parents, of the very selfless person who just wants things to work out okay, who just wants his people, his child to be happy. And that these, you know, rather than say which of these is right, which of these is wrong, I think just to appreciate that they all speak a different kind of truth and a different kind of complexity about who Moshe is. Shabbat Shalom.